Me and my friends do sinister things And that's because we're cynical beings And we're living in a house And we're chilling upstairs And we're doing a podcast Impaired How's it going you guys? Welcome back to the Impaired Upstairs podcast With Cody, Brady, Ryan And today we have a very special, special guest with us Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? I would I'm Dalen Ziegler And I'm here tonight Super, wow, super good to have you, man. We we go way back. How long have we known it. each other? Uh, probably our whole lives. It's been a long time. Yeah, our, our parents are pretty good friends. I I believe there are pictures of us both in diapers. Aww, uh, so yeah, it's, that's uh, cute. More than we'd like to admit. Yeah, me, me and Dalen go way back. I think that Cody, you've you've known Dalen for a while too. Was I think it preschool. I think we're in preschool together. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh yeah, this is our first time meeting though. Yeah. So it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as Officially. well. Officially. Yeah, did you did you guys ever talk much after after preschool? Uh, we hung out a lot in preschool. Yeah, then just kind of life happened and school happened and yeah, yeah, you know, diff- different schools. Yeah. You know, that's how she goes. Well, it's really really good to have you, man. Uh, I you appreciate wouldn't, that. You wouldn't know him. He goes to a different school. <laughs> yeah, you you wouldn't know her. Yeah, um, she's from Canada. So anyway, 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 we got we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about tonight. Um, one thing that I want to ask you right off the bat, Dalen, is that you're a busy guy. Always. Yep. Never you ends. Know, you, you got a lot of. You got your your stretch pretty thin. You got your, you got a your eggs in a lot of baskets. You could say. Yeah. How sure. do you find how do you find like a work and life balance? Because I know that, at least for me, it seems like they kind of intertwine a bunch. Like life just is work. Um, how do you find a balance where you know you can enjoy yourself and do what you need to do for yourself, but also keep your professional life moving forward the way it should? How do you do it? So as of right now, I have no balance. It's, uh, <laughs> my life is incredibly hectic, just crazy right now. Um, between, so I'm building a house right now, which is taking pretty good majority of my time when I'm home. I'm working on a tugboat, which is basically one month on, two weeks off. And on top of that, I'm trying to start a business. And lately my business has been getting in the way of building my house. And mm-hmm. so it's, uh, don't really have a lot of time for much else other than those two. So yeah, they all they all kind of get in the way of each other. Yeah. And uh you said that you work on a you work on a tugboat. Yeah. Uh how how much of your time do you spend on this boat? Like a quarter of your time? Half your time? Like what's your schedule? How how much time are you really spending away from home doing this? So basically I do two trips in a row and then I get one trip off. And it depends on if we have an extra stop added, but we go to Southeast Alaska, we haul container barges up there. And uh so it takes 3 days to get to catch can. And then spend, you know, probably a week offloading between all the different stops up there. And then sometimes we'll go to Yakutat, which adds another two days plus, depending on weather. So we'll leave on a Friday, and then roughly 11 days from then, we'll get back on a Monday, if everything goes smooth. If we go to Yakutat, that adds two days, we'll get back on a Wednesday, if everything goes smooth. Right. And if, then, if everything goes smooth. Yes, which is pretty <laughs> rare. And so... The boat always leaves on a Friday, so if we get back Thursday night at midnight, we're leaving at 8 a.m. the next morning. So if we get back Monday, which happened this week, so I'm off for a couple days, so I got a few days in between trips. Right on. So it's usually 11 days. So Yakutat's every other trip. And so it's usually like 11 days, and then a couple days off, and then 13 or 14 days. And then depending on how that trip lands, I'll have about two weeks off. I would feel like working some kind of maritime job, or if you're... 
or really anything where you're out on excursions for like a certain period of time, especially on a boat, is that your schedule revolves around their schedule. Exactly. And that you're you're succumbing to whatever they need you to do at, at certain times. And it's kind of, well, you didn't sleep enough. Well, that's unfortunate. We yep. have work to do. Sorry about your luck. Yeah. So, and it's, it depends on weather too. Like sometimes we can get somewhere and we turn circles for three days straight. Or sometimes it's just one stop after another. We get a couple hours off and good luck if you got some sleep. <laughs> what I'm wondering, because um, you've been doing this for a couple years now. So I'm going on just over two years now on, on tugboats with the same company. What is your favorite time of the year to be on the boat? Definitely not winter. <laughs> I would assume that winter <laughs> yeah. is probably not super fun. So in Alaska, it's actually really nice in the summertime. Long days. Yes, it is. Nice, calm weather. We're on the inside passage mostly. And so we get pretty good weather. Um, but wintertime, I'm not going to lie. It's depressing. <laughs> it sucks. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Not only with how, I, I bet it's very, very incredibly cold, especially on the water. Yep. Being surrounded by water and, and like the, you know, the moisture, it just probably cuts right through you. And it, a lot of people don't know this, but Alaska, Alaska is not cold and crappy like all of the year. In summer, it's really, really nice. Yeah. Summer's actually incredible. It's it gets as warm as it does down here, really. Exactly. Sometimes yep. warmer. Yeah. And the what really threw me off my first couple trips up there was just how long it stays light. Yeah, I mean, it'll get, it doesn't even really get fully dark. It's dusk for a couple hours, and then it's back light again. Uh, yeah, around the summer solstice, which is like middle of July or somewhere around there. Sure. Yeah, somewhere around there. The astrologists and our uh, astrologists, in, they're, they're going to be uh, <laughs> I, a little upset. But. It's like June 21st, right? I is it? So. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah around that time it really it doesn't get dark and two in the morning it's like dusk out it's a trip it it, it gets kind of tricky to you know your sleep kind of gets thrown off because it's you, you'll it's still pretty much light out and it's midnight and you're like what's going on here yeah it's yeah it's it's a weird it's a different world up there especially out where we go where you can go a full day without seeing a building or anything you're just looking at nature which is pretty cool but it's uh it's a different world so you're you're going like through these um, kind of like you have a hill on one side, a hill on the other side. Yeah. So we're so most of the ways northbound, it's all narrow passages. Okay. And so sometimes you have a quarter mile wide passage you're going through, and sometimes it's the land's right there, and you're just staring at the rocks going by. But no, we uh, yeah we're pretty protected inside. There's a few spots where we kind of poke out into the into open sea and. Uh, so it gets a little rough through those sections, but for the most part, we're pretty well protected up there. Gotcha. And these, um, you, you said that you, you operate a tugboat and you pull like container ships. Yeah. So basically we haul a football stadium. So our barges oh, are just <laughs> over a hundred feet and just over 400 feet, depending on which barge we're hauling. And so wow. we haul, um, basically just containers, um, like shipping containers. You'll see them on trucks, big uh -huh. container ships. Yeah. So we haul those. And so we basically supply all of Southeast Alaska and most of, you know, the rest of the Alaska along the coast with everything, ice cream, fish, food, whatever, wow. wood, steel, we haul everything up there. Really? And so my job as a deckhand is I work on the deck while we're offloading. So we have forklift drivers. And so, yeah, so we offload all the, all the containers and then it gets distributed from there. So this might be a silly question, but... With uh, well, with all those products that you you're shipping, are pirates ever a concern? So, <laughs> not necessarily pilot pirate, pirates, Arig, but uh, there's been some uh, 
some stragglers. People have, so I guess it's like a common thing that people have this like lifelong dream to kind of smuggle themselves up to Alaska wow. as just kind of like they'll do it for fun. Oh, so, like 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 old timers would do on trains. Yeah, they, like so jump on a train. So, so there's a, a run that goes to Whittier, Whittier, Alaska. It's up by yep. Anchorage, and uh, so they have rail cars. So on the barge, there's actual rail cars that they offload. And I think it was last year we had, I wasn't on the boat, but there was four people, three or four people that snuck onto the barge and made it all the way to Whittier. And I don't know where and when they got caught, but that's a relatively common thing is people trying to. And how long is, say say one more time, how long is that trip? How long did they have to? So to get to Whittier at minimum, absolute minimum, if you can go through the inside passage and get to it's called it's just an opening there where you shoot across the gulf yeah if you can go straight through without waiting on weather it's a week Jeez. so did a they, lot of times it turns into three weeks they must have like brought food and i would assume so so between uh, one and three weeks in a shipping container some sort i don't know yeah or a, or a rail car or yeah basically they broke into a shipping container and wow wrote it out that's some serious dedication yeah and so what what happens if you're a, if you're a hobo or something and you get stuck on the boat and then they find you? Do they like kick you off at the first? So spot, I would assume that's going to be a coast guard deal. Uh, we got to have somebody escort them off the boat immediately. Yeah, yeah. legal uh, legal persecution probably. It's very high security. Uh, we haul a lot of explosives because we deliver to two mines up there, oh, and so true. we haul several like you know like seventy thousand pound containers of explosives, and so. There's no plank that they have to walk. Uh, no way. <laughs> Is there a brig? You throw them in the brig and yeah. <laughs> something like that. No, it's uh, yeah, we're pretty. We're you know when we crew up, we're supposed to do security rounds, and so we have to go through and check for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's my goal now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like sneak on there. Just don't tell anyone. God. Yeah. You'll 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 be the only one that knows. I'll just sneak on and, and be really cold for a week and it's really not, hungry. Not or my three. lifelong goal. Yeah. <laughs> or three. All right. Or more. Well, before we get too far into it, I want to talk about the drink of the week. Drink of the week. Yes. This week, it is Woodford Reserve. Double oaked Woodford Reserve. Uh-huh. So that's a fine bourbon. Smooth. Nice and smooth. Very Oaky. sweet. Yeah, yeah. It's got some uh, almost like like caramel notes on there yeah, something like that it. yeah it's uh it's it's pretty good pretty good bourbon give it a give it a shot um it's a pretty high dollar not cheap kind of reminded cheap. me of uh toy story toy story because it's woody ah wow that's really funny cody <laughs> yeah thanks ryan i, I would no say m- like middle shelf about around there you know it's pretty it's pretty it's like i mean i got it at discount at safeway Okay. Uh, for what was it? Sixty-five, seventy-five bucks. Yeah. So it's not cheap, and that was not like a two-liter bottle. That's no, like seven hundred fifty mils. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, it's. It'll put some hair on your chest. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a. Uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. And uh, how would you compare it to like bleep? Um, like another type of bourbon. Yeah. The bu- the bull bullet bully bull. Yeah. It's bleep. Anyway, um, the bourbon. I would say it's sweeter than that. Yeah, bullet bourbon is is kind of spicy. Yeah, um, I think bu- the bourbon bullet 
bully bourbon has more of a rye character to it, so it's yeah. got a little bit more spice. Whereas the Woodford, I I would imagine their mash bill doesn't contain quite as much rye, so it's not not quite as smi- spicy. It's a little bit more smooth. It's a little bit uh, easier on the palate. You know, I think but, com- compared to uh, Buffalo Trace, which is my favorite, yeah, uh, it is the Woodford Reserve is smoother, but I mm-hmm. don't get as many sweet notes. Oh, like, interesting. Like okay. in the Buffalo Trace, I get like caramels and kind of mapley mm-hmm. uh, flavors from it. But from the Double Oak Woodford Reserve, I I don't get those notes. Yeah. So if you're out there listening along, uh, before before we go any further, maybe pour yourself a glass of Woodford Reserve yeah. Double Oak Double. Double oaked Woodford, Woodford Reserve. Yeah. I wish to one day have the whiskey taste that you guys have. Well, just, just keep drinking whiskey. Exactly. <laughs> I grew up on Canadian Hunter. That's all oh, we man. drank. Canadian uh, Hunter on the fishing boat in Alaska. Yep, that's all we drank, and it was oh. rough. <laughs> well, that's, that's what it was. Rot gut. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Canadian Hunter. That's, oh, yeah. that's hilarious. That brings that back brings, memories. That does bring back memories. That and Black Velvet. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anything right. anything in the plastic bottle you know is going to be oh, good. Oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, and right after that, uh, we'll follow it up with the band of the week, Giants in the Trees. Oh, yeah. They're good. Um, Seattle band, or they're, uh... Actually from Waukeakum? Yes. Um... County down there, kind of by, by uh, like Vancouver. Right north of Astoria. Yeah. Um, right yeah. on the border of Washington. Mm-hmm. And, uh, an interesting thing about that band is that the bassist is the bassist for Nirvana. What's his last name? Novoselic. Novoselic. I'm probably mispronouncing it. His name is Chris Novoselic. Um, he's huge. I think he's like six foot six. He's a tall guy. Yeah, and he plays accordion and bass in uh, Giants in the Trees. Yeah, he's a uh, good, good band. Good band. Accordion. Interesting. He also uh, plays accordion. Yeah. Interesting folk kind of like. Yeah, definitely folk vibes. Uh, they have a song called Sasquatch. They're definitely a. Uh, most definitely a Pacific Northwest kind of band. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I I'm digging it though. I'm digging it. Yeah, it's, they're, they're uh, good. I like them. And they have a female vocalist. Yeah, she's um, really good. Yeah, she is. She's got a very nice voice. Um, uh, it's not. I wouldn't really call it grunge. Like if you're expecting grunge, I don't don't expect that. Expect more folk vibes from it. Definite folk vibes. Yeah. yeah. So them uh, being so close to Oregon, it kind of makes sense. There's a lot of folky uh music out of Oregon. Yeah. yeah. And and there they are a relatively small band still. Um I think their number one song which is called Sasquatch um it only has uh, around 500 lis- 500,000 listens on Spotify. So okay. it's not it's not super big yet. Um they're still they're still kind of coming up and I don't know I don't know if it's really a project that they're trying to make super big you know i think it's meant to be more of a local vibes just smaller band um they're not trying to go international or anything that i see so uh, man hopefully we give them a a few more listens from our podcast yeah definitely yeah, definitely a few yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know i would it, 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 i think it would be really cool if we could uh, eventually like talk to some of those guys or something are you yeah. saying that you want to one day interview Chris. Oh yeah, that would, that's like a that's like a dream, you know. Yeah, that'd be very cool. Yeah, and wonderful I, accordion player. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he's known for, accordion. Yeah. And yeah, not like being in the most popular 90s grunge band ever. Right. Um 
They also they did an interview with uh, uh, the Madison Square Garden. No, Madison, Wisconsin. They have their own um, like music. It's called Inked Magazine. No, that something something like that. Okay. Um, and they uh, it's still it was real relatively small. Um, the page when I saw it, it only had like 6,000 views or something. So, you know, you know, it's possible. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that we could someday, uh, get to yeah. get an interview, you know, that, that would be cool. Yes. Goals are important. And that's, that's not too far out of a goal. Yeah. I don't think, well, we'll just have to keep working towards it. Yeah. There's just obstacles in the way. We'll get past them. Anyway. Anyway. So back to That's that's Band of the Week. That's Band of the Week. Giants in the Trees. Yeah. Give it a listen. Listen along while you're listening to this podcast, maybe, you know? Feel the vibes. Feel the vibes. Feeling. And then have a little sip of the Double Oaked Woodford Reserve. All right. Yeah. Yes. And with that, we can uh, get back in with the interview with Dalen. Yes. We'll just dive right back into it. Dalen, what kind of music do you listen to? Oh, man. Uh... Kind of embarrassing. I listen to like pretty much anything, but mostly like country rap. Oh, so, okay. yeah, yeah, gotcha. like uh, Colt Ford. Colt Ford. Yeah, Colt Ford's one of them. Like nice. Ryan Upchurch, pretty much. All oh that. yeah, I've heard of Upchurch. Yeah, right on. It's such an interesting uh, combination of music because it's yeah. kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, right? it's yeah. it's basically rap, but it's country based. So it's you're not rapping about, you know. Normal rap gang- gangster things. It's yeah. right. it's you know still country stuff, so it's uh it's different. But I like that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you'll be listening. If you ask someone like, "Oh, well, what kind of music do you listen to?" They'll say anything but country and rap. Yeah. And so, yeah. so it's kind of funny that you chose the two things that uh, people mostly hated. Yeah, <laughs> and then they throw them together. Yep. Were you a rebellious child? When I was younger, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. I think I got a little more responsibil- or responsibility when I was in high school, mm-hmm. yeah. but I was uh, the worst child. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's usually how it goes. You kind of you kind of get a taste of like, oh, I got to be an adult one day. Let's start making choices that are going to steer me in a better direction. Um, or at least I hope that's how... I hope that that's how it goes for people, for most people. Not everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's usually a, a good way to do it. I think uh, that's a general kinda, track. You know, tone things back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, once you get older, you stop getting quite. You start to realize that you're not in invincible. You know, you start to realize that you are human and you can be hurt and like you could die and like all that kind of stuff. So you kind of take it back a notch, I think. Yeah. yeah, for me, when I was in high school, like once I started driving, it was kind of I'd still you know show up and go to parties and do all that stuff, but. I pretty much sober drove for like every party. Yeah, ever. that's yeah. good. And I was totally cool with that. I was happy to drive people home and it's still also have really a good time. Uh, the worst thing ever though is being the only sober one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sometimes. You get used to it. You do. Yeah. It's cool that you, like everyone else here is acting really dumb right now and I have full control of myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but man, when you're not drunk and they are, 
it gets really annoying. <laughs> it can. I've felt that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's certain there's certain bars in the area that I know like I can't I I gotta have at least one drink before I go to this bar because otherwise it's just not gonna be fun. Like I'm gonna hate it. The people are just gonna be annoying and I'm gonna the, the music's gonna be obnoxious and I need to go find somewhere else. Um, so, you know, it's a little like, pregame. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The bar crowd is not for me. When I turned 21, so I turned 21 on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I went out Saturday night and at 11.50, I got kicked out of the bars. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I literally st- stood on the sidewalk for 10 minutes waiting till midnight and... I went all out for two hours. Oh, oh buddy, yes. my guts out in the toilet. Oh, yeah. man. And then I haven't been back to a bar since. Yeah, I wow. just have no One desire. One and done. Well, that was it. I have no desire to be around that crowd, really. Wow. It, um, yeah, it's... Especially if you if you know kind of like... The problem for me is that if like whenever I go to a bar... or I don't go to bars very often, but if I do, or like a party in general, I'm always just... It's like, this is fun. But I don't like going to parties unless they celebrate something. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of like just parties. Like just like let's <laughs> just, get let's get screwed up. It, yeah. Um, if it's like a going away party, you're celebrating something. Like that's a good excuse to kind of like let loose. Mm-hmm. But if I ever go to just some random party, it's like well, this is a waste of time. Right. Um, it's fun, but I feel too unproductive. Yeah. That's, that's how it is. You it's, don't have to feel guilty about it if you're celebrating something. You yeah. Know? yeah. Exactly. Yeah, going away parties and stuff like that are, those are always a good time. And, like, it'll also give you a little more, like, okay, I probably should go to this because it's not just for something stupid. It's for an actual reason. And um, gives you a good excuse, too. All right. Speaking of being productive, you said that you just recently started a business. Yeah, so I would like to I would like to ask you some questions about that. Yeah, let's hear it. T- tell us about the, well, when... Well, first of all, tell us about the scope of your business and, and what you do. What what do you specialize in? What is your market? So I don't really specialize in anything right now. I think I think you do. Uh, so I do kind of everything right now. It's kind of weird. I haven't really found anything that I like really love, and so I'm just kind of doing like whatever people ask me. So, so you do like landscaping and no, you cut trees. So, so, <laughs> so I do. So I do metalwork. So I. Uh, so basically, so I have a CNC plasma table, <coughs> Sweet. and so yeah. with that, I, you know, I build like custom driveway gates, and I'll build like business logos for people with custom like artwork designs on them and stuff like that. And then, you know, I also do like like right now for the golf course, I'm working on like range markers, so I'm building about a dozen of those. And then I do like staircase railings and balcony railings and all that stuff, and like Toyota bumpers, off-road parts. Pretty much anything with steel or aluminum, I'm just kind of doing it all. And so far, I've found that I really like doing the gates, uh, like driveway gates. It's a really fun project, and I've got like three lined up right now. And so that's kind of where I'm focusing my energy on is gates and railings and stuff like that with, you know, custom like cut panels in them. And that's been my most fun projects that I've been doing. So if you were to if you were to sum up your you know to someone who doesn't know anything about metalworking or what you do, uh, so you're like a you're like a fabrication guy. Basically, like custom. So I think my biggest thing is I do anything custom. So I do like all the design work, all the artwork. So if you have an idea, I can basically draw it in my computer and cut it. And so, you know, most people will sell a finished product or they'll do like a like a driveway sign that has like 
you know, a, a general design on it, and then they'll just, you know, add their name into it and kind of personalize it to them. Uh, and I do a full, like, anything you want. I'll start to it. finish. Yeah, like... so fully 100% custom. So I'll have, depending on the project, I could have eight hours into designing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just like a, I'll design it, and then I'll take 10 minutes to add their name into it. So that's, you're I not, do. You're not working off, like, templates. No, no, not each, at all. Each one is its own personalized. Everything, everything is 100% personalized. So that's mostly what I specialize in is just fully custom you're like a tattoo artist for metal <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you can pick from the book or you can have them draw it up yeah 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 exactly i mean that's i would think that's probably probably really similar to yeah. a similar like, a really common thing yeah. is people will go on like etsy or pinterest or even just google images or whatever and they'll find something and they're like hey i like this can you make it but do this instead or add this or whatever and i'll just fully instead of like trying to steal their design and you know edit that one i'll just completely redraw the entire thing to my style of drawing wow and that's awesome yeah right it's, it's a lot of fun it lets me be creative and kind of put their words into their thoughts and then just put it into an actual finished product and yeah. would you say that the creative aspect is what you like most about it or great question w- yeah um it's all it's all a process okay i like all of it because so i've never really been much of a computer person um so i totally just learned as i go and uh so yeah just the whole thing from people text me and say hey can you do this and then i'll I'll literally just draw it on draw it on a piece piece of paper a napkin with a crayon and give me an idea what you want and i'll put it in my computer and i'll sit there and i'll send them i'll just text some pictures and say you happy with it do you like this you want that you want this changed and i'll go back and forth with them for four hours until they are 100 percent happy with it and then from there long painful process it goes through about eight different programs before it's actually cuttable and i'll load it on onto my computer a second computer that i have hooked to my actual plasma table and then that runs the coding which tells the torch where to cut the steel so i just cut flat sheets of steel so to those who may not know how a cnc plasma table works uh give like a basic rundown like what could um i know how they work but not not everyone might how how would you describe the operation and how it cuts the metal and how it makes the shapes okay so basically so start to finish so i basically will draw in my computer so if i'm doing like a dimensional part i use one program for that that's everything's exact measurements down to the thousandth and if i'm doing like artwork type stuff i use a different program if it's dimensional artwork and i kind of mix the two it gets more complicated but so from there i create basically the, the design that they're happy with which there's more to it because as you cut out things it's not like a sticker where you can have things float. Everything has to be connected because, you know, like if you're cutting out the letter D, the center of the D will fall out. Yes. So you have to bridge those. So lettering is just an example, but everything has to be connected unless I do other things like glue them in place or bolt them in place. or So that's another complicated part of that. But so once I get all that figured out, I put it into a program, which then I basically type up the codes for which it does most of it for me, but it uh, I tell it which side of the line, the drawing lines to cut on, what speeds, what thickness of material, all that stuff. And from there, it sends, it's called a G-code. It's just mm-hmm. a whole list of code. Ryan knows about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole list of code that could be 30,000 lines of code. And the computer reads that. And so my second computer will read that, and that sends it to the servos, which run, it's basically like a big table. And on that big table... I lay out a full sheet of metal, which 
I can do four by eight sheets, which is common size, or five by 10. So that's five foot by 10 foot. So they're big sheets. And so what the computer does is it tells the servos, which drives the system back and forth, mm-hmm. it tells the torch head where to move on the table. And so within that, you know, it, it reads that code and it drives the, the torch head where it needs to go based on that code. And it'll cut out that design. It's almost kind of like a printer. Basically, yes. It's basically, yeah. It's a, it's a printer with a, a flaming torch on the end. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Way cooler than a printer. <laughs> yeah. And so with the torch itself, it's a plasma torch. And so it runs off 220 volt um, you know, electricity. And so it creates an arc, just like welding. It creates an arc. Basically, make it simple. It creates an arc that heats up the metal. And it runs about 70 PSI of air through it. And so as it heats it up, the air blows through it. And you get a nice, clean cut edge. And depending on your speeds and your amperage and all that, you can get that click that cut edge to a nice flat glass, super smooth cut. So Very that's, nice. that's what I try to specialize in. No, that stuff's always fascinated me. I have a I have a CNC machining background, which is it very much falls into the same category as working with the GNM code exactly. um, with, yeah. with a plasma cutter. Only with with CNC, it's you're running you're running a machine that has cutting bits. And you're yeah. taking like a block of material and cutting it, making chips into a smaller part. So you're working with 3D parts, basically, is what it comes yes. down to. Yes, uh, three axis. Yes, yes. So, so I have a Z axis, which is your up and down, and that controls the torch height. So the torch height has to stay basically 0.06 off the sheet of steel. And as the it's metal 0.06 gets, like a constant, pretty much? Yeah. So as <laughs> it warps and the plate flexes and everything, the torch head has to rise up and... Can, maintain that height off the steel oh so i can basically cut metal siding that like corrugated siding yeah Whoa. it's it's pretty crazy the but tor- it'll the torch just makes some some up and down movements so it reads the voltage the feedback through the torch and it knows if it's too high or too low and it'll adjust itself to maintain that proper height that's that's really really cool i didn't know that there it had kind of its own feedback loop where it, right yeah. it can it can tell if it's not cutting correctly and make yes. adjustments yeah. whereas yeah. On a CNC mill, it's too late. You've broken your tool. <laughs> right. You already ran like, it into the table. Right. Yep. You busted off. Wow. <laughs> huh. How it's, this sounds like really involved, you know, like yeah, it's so, a long process. Did you learn this yourself? So, so Ryan knows him. So Jeremy Shields, um, yep. that's, we call him my uncle Bob. Uh, it's my dad's friend. We've known him forever. And so he owned a machine shop in, in Port Angeles. And so I worked for him in high school. And he had a plasma table and uh, I never got to actually run it, but I would clean up all the parts that he got off of it. And I did a little bit of welding for him. And so that really got me interested in it. It was kind of my, my stepping stone into that world. And then I went off to school and I got back from school and I finished my internship for boat stuff. I bought a little table, a little two foot by three foot table. And uh, I had maybe like two grand into it total just real cheap table. It was actually a really good table. Was, I'm glad I bought that as a good stepping stone. And a couple months, I outgrew it. Huh, I was yeah. already getting. I like, bet you're trying to do it. You're trying to do a gate. Not well, gonna... so I wasn't even into that. I mean, that was like I was just cutting random stuff, mostly for fun. Uh, I kind of just bought it just to play around. I didn't have any intention of doing it like as a business. It was more just I wanted to make truck parts for myself because I was building my Tacoma at the time. And so with that, I very quickly outgrew it. It was too small. Didn't have the capacity to cut thicker steel. And, uh, I was always dreaming of ordering this, this arc light table, which is what I have. And, uh, I was like, Oh, that's so expensive. No, way I can ever do it. And, uh, I ended up ordering a cheaper table 
and uh, it's kind of middle of the road, not super high end. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth. And then so they came out with this new design and it was supposed to be super good. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I buckled down. I did it and I ordered it. And like four months later, nothing. I called them several times, nothing. I got on Facebook groups and everybody was struggling to get their tables. They were having much problems with them. They weren't shipping them out. It's like, I don't want to do this. I got too much money wrapped into it. So I canceled my order and I, and they were out of Vegas. And so I called Arclight down in Oregon and I drove down the next week and bought their table. I picked it up from their shop. Super cool. And they got me going and I had it paid off in eight months. Wow. And that, and so the first like four or five months was just like doing stuff for fun, for friends. I wasn't even really charging anything. And it just kind of started getting busier and busier and I was able to charge more and get more jobs lined up. And next thing I know it was paid off and it was, it happened quick. Wow. I've had it for a year now. It's been a year and it's more than paid itself off. I know. I love that's that. amazing i love when investments pay themselves yeah. off that's was, like my was, favorite thing and i was never expecting that i didn't really plan on it i was kind of like i i enjoy this so much that i'm gonna do this for fun and i'm gonna buy this table and if it makes me money cool and here i am yeah, <laughs> yeah. i did yeah, never expect it that it's, it's it's beautiful how like um th- what separates you from like like, I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, before you bought that, you're like, oh, th- this will never, like, this is never going to actually make it anywhere. I'm just going to be basically keeping myself busy on my free time, doing stuff for fun. And, um, what are you guys doing? Hold on. All right, all right, let's shoot, let's, are, are we ready? All right, all right. So we all have, uh, some, some bail breakers here, some top cutters. I want to open them all at the same time in front of the mics, if we can. Uh, whenever everyone's ready, everyone ready? Three, two, one. Oh, buddy. Nice. Sounds like a good time to me. That was so crisp. That was awesome. Okay. (laughs) But, um, anyway, the, uh, yeah, like I'm sure, like you said, you you never thought that you, you would get busy enough to pay that off. No. Yeah. And and I, I, because I enjoyed it so much, even just with the little table, as frustrating as that little one was, I was like, I don't have any intention of doing this full time. I just, I want to do it for fun. Even if I'm not making money and I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing money at this thing. I had so much fun doing it. I'm like, it's worth it. It's what I want to do. Right on. The funny part is I remember being in that exact same spot before my business kind of, I mean, it's it's not very big, but before like I got as busy as I am now and like with an enormous backlog, I'm like, I'm going to have to be looking for work. Yeah. Like, you know, there's going to be slow times and it's like, no. And the only thing, you know, when you're starting something up, the only thing between you and like where you are then and getting to where you want to be is just steps that you take yeah, yeah. and like making those investments. Yeah. And so I think my, my biggest advertisement and, you know, basically my investment for advertising, advertising wasn't like, you know, going on Facebook and trying to advertise my stuff for sale and putting out, you know, flyers and all that stuff or like trying to reach out to people to get stuff is I would just build something. Even yeah. if it, if I was going to set out in the yard and let it rust away, I just build something that I thought was cool, even if nobody was going to buy it and had no intention of selling it, build something cool. And I have fun doing it. I learn a lot in the process and I post a picture of it online. People can see what I do. And then boom, I got, you know, people asking for it. So that's kind of how, so I built a Toyota bumper for a friend of mine and, uh, you know, just kind of like, Hey, I could, I could probably do this. We'll just kind of see how it goes. And so cut it out, welded it up, 
post a picture of it and then next thing I know I've got like three or four people wanting them and same thing with the gates you know it's I feel like nothing advertises better than just quality work totally you, know, got that you, right. just, you just gotta do it and bite the bullet and if people don't like it or you don't like your outcome with it just scrap it and cut something else do something else do you have a website or a social media handle? so I don't have a website I have a Facebook um, I do have an Instagram and I have not updated that. All right, <laughs> I go am. ahead. If you want to plug, <laughs> uh, we were talking about the Instagram being a little dead. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I I don't know why. I whether it's laziness or well, you, it's because like you're you busy. Work. Well, yeah, yeah I mean it's, it, it's because you're busy. That's I want to be I want to be more active on social media, especially Instagram because Instagram is really cool. Um, but I just kind of I started off with Facebook because it's easy to share. Yeah, you know. I, you can just literally click the share button and boom, it's posted. And so I I posted a few things on Instagram, a few things on Facebook, and people were constantly sharing on Facebook because it was so easy. And so I think I just kind of ran with that, and then I kind of just forgot about Instagram. Hmm. And I had to post stuff on my personal Instagram here and there, and uh, that did keep me a little busy. But, yeah, I wish I would get more into that and more into editing and taking videos and stuff like that, but I've just been maxed out yeah. for my yeah. time right now. What What's the name of it? Uh, near coastal metalworks near coastal metalworks can oh, you spell that yeah look at that you got a nice sweatshirt oh. and everything yeah. man yeah. n-e-a-r yeah coastal near still coastal waiting on my sweatshirt uh yeah, so yeah it's another topic it's yeah there's uh apparently a sweatshirt shortage right now just oh. like lumber and steel it, mm. we can't order sweatshirts yeah. we can't get blanks it's there, uh yeah it's there's weird. a shortage of a lot of products right now i'm noticing yeah. that even with my line of work there's just like just supplies that we're trying to get and they're not there's su- supply chain issues somewhere yeah. you can't you can't get stuff so yeah so yeah. steel prices right now have gone up at least 30 percent and they're planning on about 50 percent so oh, i bought three sheets of steel and this was a couple months ago it's gone up more since then and it was almost a thousand dollars it was like 9.95 or something and six months ago that would have been like 500 bucks hmm. it's just crazy horrible yeah it's that, yeah, that'll really screw up your margins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, it's like, oh, people are just like, oh, I'll charge the customer more. They pay for the material. But it's also like, yeah, I can't charge, you know, it's it's hard to charge somebody that much for something, you know? Right. Yeah, it, it, what it, what that does is, it's same thing with lumber prices, is if people really need to have their house built, they'll pay the price. Exactly. But it's going to steer more people away or postpone more people yeah. from making that huge investment. Probably the same with steel. Yeah. Um, it's like, well... I'll wait for this gate until che- steel yeah. gets a little cheaper. Yeah, which could be a couple months, could be several years. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to say. It's funny. Um, I I modify chainsaws for a living. I I build a lot of chainsaw engines. You can't get any good chainsaws right now. They're like completely out of stock at every dealer. They're like incredibly hard to find. It's it's with every facet. It seems like there are things that are getting harder and harder to find because of like the economy fluctuating or I don't know. We can all blame it on COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the easiest thing to do. It's weird. So you said you're trying to build a house right now or you're in the process of building it? Yeah. So it's it's a long, confusing process, so I'll spare the details. But basically, uh, I bought a foreclosure house and I wasn't even on the boat. Or I, mean, I wasn't even home. I was on the boat. And so my parents were kind of like, hey, we looked at this house. It's, uh, it's a lot of work, but we're kind of like, if you don't want to do it, we're going to buy it and we're going to flip it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I guess go for it. And if I don't want it, then you can have it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, so they did it. And then I got back and we we're looking at it 
and pretty much the deal had already gone through. And so basically just started going at it, started ripping all the walls out, um, pulling all the paneling off. There wasn't any sheetrock in the house. Um, Classy. Was all yeah. the wiring torn out and everything? Yeah. Nobody had lived there for several years, and oh. all the the bank didn't even know there was a house there, according to like records and everything. <laughs> they thought there was a mobile home there, and it's full foundation, like full house. They didn't even know it was there. So wow, yeah. So it's it was a yeah, That's it was a, a painful process. Yeah, yeah. So we basically it was like, okay, well, I'll pull the paneling off, see what's underneath, get ready to actually sheetrock it. Got that all pulled off down to the studs, and I was like, wow, this needs new wiring, new plumbing. None of the interior walls are straight. So pretty much rebuilt every single interior wall, rewired the entire house, replumbed the whole house, and then got it mostly straight, and then sheetrocked it, everything. So now it's going to be worth it all said and done. But it's a year and a half now of me working on it when I'm home, my dad working on it while I'm gone. He's been helping me a ton, which has been awesome. And uh, yeah, just putting everything I got into it, trying to get that done, which the cool thing. So I'm living on the property in a trailer right now, but the garage is fully set up. So I'm working out of the garage right now. So I'm uh, making yeah. money, staying busy and working on the house. So that's nice. been keeping me busy. Yeah. You had to buy any lumber lately? <laughs> so I actually just recently set, so I built a, a full 18 foot driveway gate. And so with that gate, so I set the posts in the grounds. I had to dig four foot by two and a half by two and a half foot holes to set the posts in. Super heavy duty gate. I mean, the thing weighed like 300 pounds per panel and Whoa. is eight feet wide. The static load on those hinges was a lot. It was like a thousand <laughs> pounds or something. Whoa. But uh, so I had to set concrete those gate, the posts in super deep. And uh, so with doing that, I had to build a big form and I spent like $390 on some two by sixes and some two by fours just to brace and form for concrete, which wow. pretty much all garbage when it's all said and done. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm in the process of getting a loan for a house and all that rigmarole yeah. and the price of lumber right now is not great. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're saying like 30 to 50% on steel. Lumber is up like 100, 200%. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, it's literally two to three times the price yeah. it would have been a year and a half ago. Yeah. It's I wild. had all these plans of building this huge wraparound deck on the front oh, of my yeah. house. Yeah. Yeah. No. Not no. I'll build maybe a set of stairs if I can afford it. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. It's wild out there. Yep. It's wild out there. One day. Yeah. Yeah. Dream big. Exactly. You know, and as long as you keep those dreams alive yeah. and don't get too busy and forget about them, then yep. yeah, you'll get there. Might almost be more financially worth it just to uh, cut them out of steel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Might be actually. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, I wonder what those, uh, those metal buildings are going to do here. here so soon. I've been watching them because I'm planning on building probably a 50 by 80 shop outside of my garage and about a couple Some months room ago. Room for I, activities. Yeah. Yeah. Better than my 21 by 30 garage right now that I'm way overwhelmed in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I priced them out. And they've gone up about five grand for the size I was looking for just in steel prices wow. since the last time I looked. So it's just getting more and more expensive. Yeah. 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 Hey, so what what really impresses me is that um, it always just seems like there's not enough hours in the day Never. to get, I know, <laughs> to get all the stuff done that you want to get done. And I couldn't imagine trying to factor that in with working on a boat. Like, That's tough. So you're, I think it's, you said it's like two weeks on, two weeks off. Uh, no, so it's two trips on, one trip off, which is basically, right. basically it comes down to one month off 
and or one month on and two weeks off because i'll get like a day or two in between trips but i don't really get much done i mean there's only so much you can do in a couple days so so your time is really limited at that point it is yeah so it's uh struggling is there a what is this the psychology like like how does how do you feel when you're on the boat and you know i mean you're obviously in a lot different conditions your sleep schedule changes you have to be awake at different hours and you're, you're sitting there thinking about all these things you have to do at home. Um, like how can you describe that? What's the psychology like behind, behind working on the, on like a boat for that period of time? It's constantly like, why am I still here? (laughs) Yeah. So because of my house loan and everything, my house isn't done yet. I, I can't leave my job yet because I still have to show income for two years in order to get the loan to be approved because I basically have to get reapproved because of foreclosure, I have to get reapproved for the house when it's all said and done. So it's basically my goal right now is finish the house. As soon as the house is done, I can quit my job working on the boats and I can go full time out of work. That's the plan, huh? That's that's the plan. I was gonna ask you your long term goal with your business and if that was something you wanted to if you ever wanted to diverge and do something else or but it sounds like Yeah, I mean I it, I'm just basically just riding it out it's gonna go whatever direction it goes you know it always comes like you know one guy talks to another guy and they're like hey you want to do this and then you know i do a job for them and they, they're happy with it and then one thing leads to another i could get contracts or you know so i don't know what yeah. direction it's going to go i'm just kind of riding with it and i've got enough work to keep me busy and just going with it and so yeah my goal is to kind of find you know that that topic that thing that i like doing and chase that but it's just going to come with time. I don't really have any set plan for that. Just doing what I can. Yeah. And think things change that are out of your control and, and markets change. Exactly. More people get in the game. People get out of the game. Yeah. And uh, think things are always changing, especially in like a private business environment like, like you're doing. Um, I've seen that exact thing happen with what I do. Yeah. Um, so what, what we were talking about a little bit earlier before the podcast, um, I, th- I think that you and Cody might have stories about um, a certain type of fisherman. Oh, uh, what, yeah. What kind of – can you explain the, the characters, the type of people that you meet um, out on the boat? I'm sure that you run into a lot of different people from other, like, fishing operations. Yeah, so we don't really deal with the fishing crowd too much. Um, what we do – so ba- the most that we do with fishing crowds is, like, we haul all of their fish down south. So everything, basically everything that's caught in Alaska, crab, fish, anything, herring, uh, we haul that down south. So they put it into refrigerated units. There has an engine running all the refrigerated units, and our job is to maintain those and keep those running south. So, you know, we're hauling in middle of summer when it's fishing season, we're hauling billions and billions of dollars worth of fish that we're yeah. responsible for. And so that's, we don't have much to do directly with the fishermen. But we do see it out on the water. Um, (laughs) It's interesting. In the summertime, middle of fish season, Alaska's different. It's kind of the wild, wild west out there. It's, uh, I mean, we've had guys on boats that, you know, we'll just be cruising alongside of them. You know, we have our distances off that we have to maintain. And we stay within those. And then next thing we know, they're just kind of coming straight towards us. Getting a little too close for comfort. We've had people just fully run into the barge. What? Like, didn't do any crazy amounts of damage, just dented it, but... Like, run their... Like, collide their boat. 100-foot fishing boat, just not paying attention, drunk, sleeping, we don't know, just 
ran into a barge. Big, mass. I mean, the thing's like 100-something feet tall. <laughs> it's big green barge. You can't miss it. And just run right into it. And so we've, we deal with that more common than you would actually think. And uh, sailboats, wow. sailboats in Seattle is a nightmare. Oh, man. We, oh, is it like, the, is it primarily the sailboat operators? You can imagine. Yeah. I get it. It's, it's <laughs> Seattle. You know, they got yeah. their, their dad's sailboat out and yeah. they're just out for a cruise. And we're this massive tugboat hauling an even more massive barge that we basically don't have control over because if we stop, the barge isn't going to stop. We're right. just towing it by a wire. Yeah. And yeah. so we, we're restricted. We can't do much. We can swerve maybe, but so we're just along for the ride. If they want to <laughs> go for it, then good luck. And I was on the ferry from uh, Bainbridge Island to Seattle, and there was a sailboat. It had to have been within 100 feet of the of the ferry, and the ferry oh, yeah. sitting there trying to honk the, what do you call it? The just horn the on horn, the boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the horn. And it just weren't getting out of the way. Nope. It was a windy day, so I'll uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. No, we've we've seen some pretty questionable things. I've yeah. I've uh I've dodged a couple fishing boats that I was not confident I was going to actually dodge. <laughs> and uh I thought you said you didn't have to deal with pirates. Well, it's uh yeah, ocean cowboys are a little different out there. Yeah. <laughs> ocean cowboys. I love yeah. it. I think that's a title. Ocean, Ocean Cowboys. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good title for this one. <laughs> so, uh, when you're, you said you you dodged them, or like you're actually so so I'm a deckhand, and so I basically my job is on the boat itself. When we're actually on the boat, I'm uh you know I'll cook, I'll do I'll still do stuff in the down down in the engine room, you know change filters, oil, whatever stuff like that, just kind of general stuff, you know house cleaning stuff like that, but also. I serve as a lookout, so when the mate is driving the boat, I'll be up there with him, you know, watching for other boats, keeping them awake, just kind of talking with them. And so I don't, I don't do a whole lot when we're actually on the boat. And then when we're on the barge, I'm working the barge. But so like, often there's not everybody's up because you know people got to sleep, and so there's always two people up at a time. So myself and a mate would be up. And so if I cook a meal. I will go up and drive for the mate while he eats, which is only for, you know, could be 10 minutes, could be an hour, depending on, <laughs> depending on that person. Yeah. But so there's often times where I'm driving by myself, which technically you're not supposed to do, but there's no way around it. I mean, it's, so that's how it goes. Right. But, yeah. It's got to be done. So, I mean, I'm pretty well trusted on the boats and you know, I, I know how to drive them for the most part. I mean, it's, I've, I think I've proven myself by now, but, and so, <laughs> yeah, so we were leaving Juno. And I'm driving by myself up there, cruising along. I can see a fishing boat coming. No big deal. It's a kind of a narrow channel, but we got plenty of room. And uh, this guy's just cruising up the channel. He turns his floodlights off, so I, he knows, you know, it's it's a respectful thing to do. If there's somebody coming, you turn your, your spotlights off, and uh, you're not blinding them. Yeah. So we both turn those off. You know, we clearly see each other. We're just cruising along. I move over to the right. He moves over to the right, so we're going away from each other because he's coming towards us. And... Uh, Everything's set up to pass, nice and everything's looking good. And we're pretty much to the point of like, all right, well, he's for sure going to pass down the side of us. And I'm just sitting there, you know, just watching. I got the two radars going and a chart system. And uh, he's actually not on the chart system. It's called an AIS. And he wasn't showing up on that. And so I'm just kind of watching him. I can see his running lights and uh, kind of watching the running lights as he goes by. I'm like, wow, those are looking kind of weird. 
Oh, wow, no. those are. I can see both side lights, which means he's pointed directly at us. Oh, and then I can see his other no. side light, which means he is going directly in front of us. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, this is not looking good whatsoever. And so on those boats, so they're called tractor tugs. It's Z-drive units. So basically it's not like a normal boat where it's got you know a prop and a, a wheel or a wheel and a rudder. It's uh, got two separate units, and it has basically a nozzle on it that has a propeller inside of it and it can spin each of them can spin 360 degrees so they're super oh. maneuverable they're a little harder to drive which i don't do much driving just basic stuff mostly autopilot but uh so i i jump up so i jump out of the seat and i go to the center of the center of the wheelhouse where i can actually control put my hands on both units and i'm kind of watching them for a second and i can see at this point i was like he's most definitely in front of us and we're getting closer and so i pull the throttles back quite a bit and i you know it's usually first thing you do is you pull them back you slow down give yourself some more time so i pull them back and i'm watching them it's like this is not good something's not going to happen and so i spin both units it's called spinning them inboard you go opposed and so basically the thrust from the units is pointing directly outboard on both both units okay wait, wait, and explain what outboard what is that mean? towards the outside of the boat so if you're just going straight the thrust is going behind you okay and so by spinning them, the units inboard, making the thrust go outboards, the, they're basically working against each other. It's basically like putting on the brakes. Okay. Because you gotcha. basically don't have brakes on a boat, but by right. doing that, you can slow yourself down pretty quick. Gotcha. So I spin them inboard, which it takes a while to spin them around. They're not super quick. And by the time they get spun around, I just wide open. Yeah. Put them to the wood. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, the whole boat's just shaking super hard. And by this point, I had already pulled the general alarm. And okay. so um, the whole boat's up now. The whole boat's basically in the process of running upstairs to figure out what's going on. And I'm just up there, like, I'm shaking like a leaf. I don't know how this is going to go. I'm just like, all right, this is it. We're probably going to hit this guy, but I don't know what to do. Cause I, so if there was more room, I would have swerved. But it's dark out. I mean, it's like 1 in the morning. And I can't really see how narrow the channel is. So I'm like, you know, the barge or the boat swerves, the barge is going to pull with it. And so, you know, the barge is, you know, a quarter mile out, not quite that much, but it's a ways out. And so you swing the boat around, it can swing the barge onto land, basically. Man. And so I'm sitting there. It's like, I can't swerve. I'm just going to do my best to slow down and, you know, try to stop hitting this guy. And I'm just full brakes basically just wide open the ba the boat's just shaking like crazy and i can see from our running lights on the boat which aren't very bright i can see the whole boat i mean he's might be exaggeration because i was in the moment but 75 feet 100 feet oh no and finally it gets to the point where i can see we're probably not going to hit him and i you know, I know the barge is coming at us because we slow down, the barge doesn't stop. It's going to keep moving, yeah. So I start swimming back around. I start going wide open again to run away from the barge. And by that point, the captain had got up there. And uh, so he, you know, he took over and got everything back under control. But, oh, man. Was he happy with how you handled it? Yeah, he was like, well, you didn't hit him great. <laughs> There's not much else he could do or anybody could do, really. But, yeah, looking back on it now, I probably should have just swerved, but... Yeah, at the time I was... You know, if you're in between channels and it's dark, yeah. you don't know exactly where the land is. It's hard to say, yeah. So it was. Uh, I made a move and it worked out. And you have to use like sailor speech, like, Captain, <laughs> the, 
No, so on, on Enemy ship you ahead. On the port bow. <laughs> I mean, we definitely use, you know, specific terms when it's when it comes down to it, but we're pretty laid back as far as everything goes on boats. Did the captain say, Yarg, prepare for boarding? <laughs> I was prepare for impact. Oh, <laughs> pre- prepare for impact. <laughs> yeah. So so you're going straight at this guy and I'm imagining if you hit if you hit this little sailboat, it's just, goodbye sailboat. Just, I think I know which one's going to lose. The just battle. a little wooden fishing boat. We would, oh, oh, we would have flattened them. Oh, it no. was. I mean, it was. It was a probably seventy-five foot boat, but we were quite a bit bigger, and it was wood. Yeah, <laughs> it'd have been over. Yeah. So, what do you think was going through their head? Why so did they that yeah. we don't know. I mean, it was. Yeah, I don't know if he because it can get confusing when you're looking at running lights. Um, you know, you can't always see certain lights, and so you might think you have a different sp- perspective than you actually do. Maybe. So I think he thought he had more time. Maybe he didn't realize uh, how big we were. Yeah. Maybe he couldn't see the boat's light, but he could see the barge, which is farther away. So he might have thought he had more right. room. That's what and I was I'm assuming he got in front of us and realized, oh, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> but yeah. it did. Wow, yeah. and is, there's no sorts of radio or something. That so, you can, like... so there's. I mean, we have radio channels, but in that quick of a moment, there's nothing we could do as far. I mean, we could blow the whistle, and you know that'll give them attention. We give them a danger signal, which is five blasts from the basically the boat's horn, and uh, that could get his attention. But at that point, it was kind of too late. We didn't. We calling somebody, especially fishermen, don't really reply. So that can take. A long a while it could take 10 minutes to get somebody to call back hmm. so that was out of the question the horn probably would have been a good idea if my hands weren't busy with the units but yeah ideally yeah blow the whistle at them maybe shine your spotlight at them but and if you had to so i know your adrenaline's pumping in oh, yeah. yeah um but if you had to like figure out the amount of time from when you realize like this guy is going in the wrong yeah. direction to when the captain is up there how how long did that so take? their response was super good okay. um and that's pretty common is like i know one of the guys showed up in his underwear like yeah. i don't even know if he had a t-shirt on yeah um you know when when the general alarm goes off you don't send that out for no reason so right. people are there in an instant um but most i think everybody most everybody's up so they were already at the galley table um so from the point I realized this is not good, he's coming at us, to me, standing up, getting around, and you know, pulling the throttles back was maybe five to six seconds. And then me spinning the units, I don't know. I don't remember at what point I pulled the general alarm. But, um, yeah, I, I think I pulled the general alarm, and then I spun the units, and I went opposed and just basically held it wide open. And, yeah, by the time the captain got up there, I mean, maybe – 30 seconds total oh wow okay wow. so this is like the way you were describing it i was like oh you know this is like no. five like ten, ten, five, minute. ten minute. yeah no this is like it's like an instant almost yeah oh and i don't God. i don't know if i didn't do anything i don't know if we would have hit him or not but it would have been real better, close better yeah. safe than sorry yeah. right yeah huh yeah so it their response time was super quick and if i had been sitting on my phone or staring out the window or whatever i mean writing stuff on the chart table or something who knows what could happen yeah but yeah it's just that's how quick stuff can happen i mean it was (laughs) seconds what does the general alarm sound like uh so general alarm so basically there's a whole different series of like abandoned ship is uh six short blasts or six or more or more than six one of the two i don't remember now anyway so it's there's a a series of like man overboards three in a row um is it like a 
bonk, bonk, it's bonk. just like a dinging bell, like in, oh, okay. in high school, basically. Um, but it's uh, nobody follows that really. I mean, it's if you got a problem, all it comes down to is you're gonna pull the the handle for it to go off. You're gonna do what you're doing, and then when you have a free second, you might turn it off once you know people are coming up. Okay, but you're not gonna sit there and count three seconds right. and make sure you're pulling off, you know, because <laughs> it's we have a small crew. We have six guys on the boat. Okay. And so if it was a huge boat where it's going to take people, you know, 10 minutes to get to the wheelhouse, you might do that so they have an idea of what they're doing. Hmm. Or, or or when you have, you know, 10 people in the wheelhouse at a time, then you have somebody that can do that. But, yeah, we uh, you just pull it, and when you get around to shutting it off, you shut it <laughs> off. <laughs> awesome. I just, I just had a realization. It, is it called a wheelhouse? From back in the day when ships had an actual wheel that so you like there, yeah. crank? There are still boats that I've sailed on that do have wheels. No way. That's yep. so cool. I don't know if any of them are even hooked up anymore. They're just kind of there for looks now. Right. Everything is... So do they all... not anymore? What's that? <laughs> they don't have wheels anymore? <laughs> nah, well, so I think the Coho downtown has, has a oh, wheel. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it's not... I mean, everything we do is all autopilot, except for when we're like landing the barge and stuff, but... It's uh, like off a GPS or uh, basically like magnetic compass and gyro. So how do you steer? It's a little knob and it has a number next to it that says you're heading, and you just couple clicks one way or the other, and (laughs) that's it. That's kind of amazing. You're just sitting down, twirling your finger. It's almost like technology has come come past the wheel. I (laughs) was expecting you to like spin the wheel all the way to the port side, and you're like trying to get around this. No, I mean it. it You have to spin it all the way back around starboard (laughs) side. Deja vu. (laughs) It gets more complicated. Like so, if you're turning with autopilot and autopilot can't keep up, uh, you can grab the second unit and turn that, and that'll help you turn sharper. So there's there's more to it than just spinning a dial usually, but yeah, and like. So if we're landing alongside the barge, it gets more complicated with, you know, you're not on autopilot anymore. You're just controlling the units. So it gets wow way more complicated. So here's here's a question that I have, and, and I'm guessing that you studied this when you went to that, that maritime school. Yeah. Um, there are different territories of, of, like, water, and there are different laws that apply for different, like, U.S. territory yeah, yeah. Versus international waters. Yep. Do you ever go into international waters? Are you always in U.S. territory? No. So we go. So instead of going, so we we grew up in Seattle and we go to Southeast Alaska. And so instead yeah. of going, you know, up and through and basically out past Port Angeles through the Puget Sound, we go up behind uh, Van, or Victoria, that island. Oh okay. yeah. So like, we go through there. What's that called? That that little like that space between Victoria. Er, yeah, between like Victoria and Vancouver Island, right? So yeah, you're going big, up through Vancouver Island? Yeah, but... between, so like Vancouver Island and then like the mainland, there's narrow channels all through right. there. And so we tow the barge through there. So we spend probably two days in Canada waters, basically. Okay. And there, are, I've just heard there are like, there are different laws that apply yeah, so... in different waters. Does that ever affect you? Um, do you ever have to worry about that or is it just No, kinda... so like some people that have had DUIs can't go into canada there's i don't know exactly the laws on that but really but so they if we for some reason had to stop it's technically not legal for them to stop uh, in that water right yeah and so which we never stop in canada there's no reason for us to but um yeah so we have different rules that apply to us going through canada and stuff like that um 
but yeah like we have different laws on how close we are to the shore so like inland is you know uh, with I think it's within 50 miles near coastal which kind of what I named my company after yeah. is uh, within 200 miles of the shore and then oceans which is outside that has the coast guard ever given you any problems uh, I haven't been on a boat that's been boarded yet, but it's pretty common for the Coast Guard to board okay. board boats and just do inspections and make sure everything's up to up to date and good to go. So from what you've heard, what's the difference between the Canadian and the American Coast Guard? Um, I haven't heard much on that topic. All right, fair enough. What have you heard on that topic, Cody? <laughs> oh, nothing. Oh, no, I was asking the sailor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'm sure you maybe had heard something that was no. I've I've uh, I've met coasties around these parts from when I was in high school. I worked on the field dock down in Port Angeles, and there were very few occasions uh, where they would stop at our field dock and fuel up, but they did. Um, from what I have heard, they weren't as uh, <clears throat> EPA friendly. If, <laughs> oh, if, if, yeah. oh. Um, You'll find that that's pretty common in the industry. <laughs> I mean, there's there's strict laws. Everybody has their their rules they have to follow, but stuff has to get done. Right, you right. Know, you uh, I signed an NDA when I when I worked for this company, so I'm not gonna say like you know exactly what happened when I was working on the fuel dock. But I I imagine that in a fuel dock, if you spill a little bit of diesel in the water. It usually doesn't get reported. That's that's <laughs> my imagination running amok there. Technically, even just a drop is supposed to get reported. But, you know, uh, yeah. 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 From what I've heard, you know, dilution is the solution to pollution. That's true. And so when you're, you're in the ocean. I like that. Yeah, you little, know. A little bit like... of joy soap goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, little rainbows in the water never hurt anyone. From what I also heard... Uh, you don't want to eat any fish that you catch right off of the coast here in Port Angeles. So yeah, that's one super gnarly, interesting fact. We deliver the barge down to the Duwamish River in South Seattle. Okay. So where the Ferris wheel is, south of that, there's you know the Duwamish River that runs through there. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And it's super industrial. There's oh. always welding, painting, just gnarly stuff going on. I'm sure there's tons of stuff spilled in the water there. Like three-eyed fish. Yeah, I don't doubt it. It's, I mean, the water is just absolutely disgusting up there, and people fish out of that oh, all day long. No, and, and professional, like commercial fishermen, fish out of there, which is crazy. We have to dodge pots and nets and all sorts of stuff. Oh man! And it's like, why would you eat that stuff? That's gnarly. <laughs> yeah, like part. Of, uh, there's a project um, for the, the company I work for. I know that there's a guy that has a project that is that does monitoring for uh like shellfish in that area um like all along the uh like from seattle uh mostly through the navy that navy base yeah um right on the side of uh not banger but um Going down by Bremerton. Yeah, in Bremerton, yeah. the Bremerton Navy base. Yeah. Um, up through, you know, Bainbridge and all that area. Um, and, you know, there's, yeah, definitely certain spots throughout there oh, that yeah. you might want to <laughs> not pick, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's really incredible how, like, certain little alcoves, little spots where that water stays relatively clean. Like, yeah. even yeah. if, even if the pollution 
like a mile from it, you can have a very concentrated amount of pollution, but just you move outside that range and it drops off a lot. Yeah. So, you know, when you're talking about like a lot, a lot, a lot of water, it, it dilutes pretty fast. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. So, yeah. Yeah. But stay safe. Have we, have we <laughs> talked about like how they found uh, in Seattle, they found opiates in the mussels? Oh, I haven't. And heard like that. shellfish. I've, I've heard something heard along those lines. I don't know the details. Yeah, they're they're uh, shellfish in Seattle test positive for opiates. Wow. Um, huh. I think we have a problem. <laughs> yeah. I well, yeah. and part of the part of the problem is that that doesn't like degrade in the water, right? That's one of the things. Like, oh, I don't know. Opiates and uh, that's why you're not supposed to flush them, right? So like, if you have left, there's certain certain drugs that it's okay if you flush them down the toilet because they'll either degrade or your treatment facility will clean it up. Um, but there's other stuff like birth control type stuff like estrogens and uh, progesterones and hormones that don't actually get degraded. Um, and so then that gets picked back up in our drinking water and it's pretty, Ooh. yeah, it's not good. It's not right. good. Yeah. And so, uh, right off the coast here in Port Angeles, or on the beach, actually, they they found. Uh, here, I'm actually looking at the sheriff's page right now. It was. Oh yeah, sixty pounds of methamphetamine and yeah. two point six pounds of of cocaine, and then later on, uh, they found it ended up totaling up to three hundred and forty two pounds of methamphetamine. That's crazy. <laughs> in duffel bags yeah. on the beach. Here yeah. in Port Angeles. Just another day in PA. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's in Snort Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah someone, someone lost a lot of money on that deal, poor guy. Uh, according, to the, that deal. according to the police <laughs> yeah, report, probably. it was how many millions? Se- seven, seven million dollars uh, in street value. That's wild. Like, I, So my question is, like, who's just leaving duffel bags, like pound, like... Tens of pounds, yeah, hundreds of pounds, forty-one pounds of drugs on the beach. You know, that's, that's not really something you can just throw over your shoulder, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I'm really curious what the story is yeah. there. I know we'll I never did... know what the story is, yeah. but that's crazy. How do you really lose three hundred and forty pounds of meth? Well, like, I misplaced like eight giant duffel bags. Yeah, three hundred thirty-nine right. yeah. pounds of meth. That's, that's a, a lot of lot. meth. I see. I'm wondering if it was like an international thing where someone dropped it off on the coast and right. it was like, hey, come pick this up. And then they missed their pickup or whatever. And it's just still sitting there. And then whoever else comes along. Yikes. I'll tell you guys a crazy uh, um, like found drug heist type story. Yeah. Sure. Um, I heard this story actually a couple months ago when I was working that job in Montana. And uh, one of these guys, this guy's name was Carson. He's from Idaho, and I'm trying to try to recollect the story, but it was like one of his buddies, his little brother, his kid is like 16, 17 years old. He bought this old van. You know, it's like an old, you know, old 70s. It, this was back when he was younger. This like, guy's this guy's like probably 40. So like an Astro van or something. Sure, okay. yeah, like an old American 70s <laughs> yeah. type van. And his uh, his buddy's like, oh, he bought it in kind of rough shape. He didn't pay like anything for it. Um, it was kind of, I think it was kind of a weird deal the way he got it. It was like weird, Walmart at midnight, <laughs> like weirdly cheap kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, like uh, this thing's disgusting. I'm going to like tear out the interior and get this thing all like spruced up, make a little nice little party van out of it. And he pulled off the, um, he was pulling off the headliner 
Um, oh, no. Against the, the roof. The, my voice cracks so good right there. Um, and there was like, it was, there were all these holes drilled in the, like the insulation up against the sheet metal. And like the corrugations in the sheet metal were packed with cocaine. Like bags and bags of cocaine all along the roof. Like like oh, enormous man. amounts. And it was all he he couldn't tell. It was all stitched up nicely. Like it was they obviously took really good care to like put it up there very carefully. And he they found all this cocaine. I think they turned it into the police. That's a good choice. Which yeah. I don't even know what you would if if you found that, if you go turn it into the police, like how are you supposed to like formulate your story? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, what do you do? I know. Uh, you think like, that- hey, I have all these drugs in my possession, and like, uh, I just uh, this is the story. I swear. It's like, what do you even do at that point? And um, I I would hope that they would be uh, understanding and right. say, well, at least you're turning them in. At, right. You know. Well, yeah, but I don't even I don't even know. Like, that's just it's. At the it, same time, it was just a story. It could be like falsified, possibly. Yeah. But um. I'm Imagine sure that's a pretty common thing. <laughs> I I don't know, like, but here's here's what scares me. Like, what if that kid didn't do that, and he like took that up to Canada or something, and they right. searched it? Oh my gosh, he's yeah. like going to jail forever. It's Even not just mine. Going across I swear. the ferry, or you know, anything like that could happen. Oh yeah, yeah. like a, a drug dog walks by and smells that. Uh I know it's spooky. Used cars. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's even stories on I we've talked about Vinwiki before, but Vinwiki has mm-hmm. stories like that where they're like, Oh yeah, we bought this car super nice, it was great, and then we did like a deep detail and it's like, Oh yeah, we found a bunch of drugs. Not so great. You know? I, I worked for a collision repair company and for a while before I worked there they were doing um not repos but uh impounds and the owner finally wanted to get rid of these cars that he's had there for like a decade and they were going through them all and stuff because there's a whole process that you have to go through and they found little baggies of meth uh, in the and you know you know how uh some mechanics are like some of them are pretty familiar with the stuff so <laughs> it's a mechanic thing <laughs> so uh they're like oh yeah that's meth just dumped it on the ground Oh, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. But <laughs> how do you even how do you even deal with that? I mean, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna make a guy with a prior possession charge go out and like turn it into the police. Uh, I don't know about that. Right. Just just throw it in the gar- just like throw it in the shop garbage. Yeah, throw it with, the, with the rags. I don't know. That's yeah. How do you even deal with sketchy that? Sketchy situation, regardless. That's horrible. Yeah. What do you, what, Dale? What do you, what do you know about slime eel fishermen? Uh, not a thing. Really? And I when I worked down on the dock. There was uh, there was a group of slime eel fishermen. I think I met them <laughs> two times, and is it these fishermen in particular? Yeah. Are the other fishermen different than the slime eel fishermen? Yeah. So uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if if anyone is familiar with the game Minecraft, there's a leather helmet. One of the one of the slime are, eel fishermen was. Are wearing... you talking like like the old timey like football helmets? That they used to wear, like back in like yeah. the 1920s when they're playing. Got like a, no, bu- it, a it, buckle it, on the side. Yeah, yeah. It had a <laughs> nose guard and like a cheek, like went across the cheeks and stuff. Oh, what? Like it had like eyes, eyes on it and stuff. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> they were weird, weird guys. The and dude, the dude just rocking it. Yeah, they, they had to have spent you know a long time out at sea. They would catch these slime eels and uh, sell them to Japan, right? Uh, because I think 
they use it for sushi in Japan? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I'm, yeah. Not sure. But they would sell it to Japan. Really weird guys. And they'd, they'd uh, get on the dock and... I don't know. They were just really weird, and I was like 16 or 17 at the time. So brand new concept to me. The the uh, concept of hey, this is what heroin does to a person. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a drug. Oh, we're, t- we're talking about a lot of drugs in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was gonna... this is kind of a dodgy one. Yeah, dear. <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of um, well, not drugs or dodgy things. Actually, on a completely unrelated note. Go ahead. What's going on in 10 days, Cody? 10 days. I am getting. Married. Married. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Man, and yeah, wow. What a what a crazy, insane time. Like I'm twenty one years old, but I don't think that I'm making a mistake. So, <laughs> yeah, you know? Is that uh, what you want to be saying before you're getting married? No, she's <laughs> she is uh the love of my life. We've been together for four and a half years now, so pretty certain that this is uh what i want and what she wants so um yeah glad i have um my best man here brady my, my brother yeah and um and then a close second place v- very very close thank you Your ryan last. I, I was a little bit who is uh the the only one in my wedding party who isn't a blood relative uh Thank you, Ryan, for being one of my groomsmen. And Cole. We can change that. We'll cut our hands. Cole, my little brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll make a blood pact. Yep, we'll do it. I swear we've already done that, but whatever. At some point, probably. <laughs> we go way back. Uh, and Cole, who is my younger brother, who is also going to be a groomsman. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys want to know? It's, it's coming up How's here. How's it feel? How, is the butterflies thing going on? Yeah, anxiety. Um, it's it's weird. It just feels like it's it's flown by. I asked her on October fifth if she would marry me, and she said, eh, "Yeah, sure. <laughs> I suppose. Why not? If I have to." <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just feels like it went by so fast. Originally, we had our de- date set for September of twenty twenty one. And we got to the point where we're like, that's really far and COVID is still sticking around right now. So we don't know if we're even going to have a real wedding by then. Uh, So let's just have it now. So 10 days from now. uh, Seems like yesterday was like 45 days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very, very anxious. There's a lot to do still. And we've kind of been putting it off, which is... uh, not good. Yeah, you're young people. It kind of makes sense. You yeah, know, busy. But I, I am hoping and praying that it's all going to turn out well. We're we're making things happen. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm happy for you. Uh, Thank you. Ryan. It'll be great when it's all over and you don't have to think about it anymore, and you can go on a little vacation and like chill for a little bit, and yeah. And then life goes on. Yeah, exactly. So I did a, a little psychology experiment today. Kind of. Uh, she said, I can't wait to marry you. And I said, yeah, I can't wait to be married to you. And then I thought about that. And it was interesting to me because to her, she's been thinking about the wedding since she was like 14. Uh, you know? yeah. uh, and really for me, it's more of like being married and um, 
kind of growing up and and being like the people that I idolize in in my life. Uh, so it was, it was kind of interesting to see that, like the difference of perspective between <laughs> between the two of us. Totally. You got more of like the long-term goal in mind. Yeah. Or I'm sure she does too, but she's obviously really excited for the actual right. wedding and right. For you the the wedding itself is more of like a means to an end, right? Yeah. It's like, well, this I, is what we have to do in order to get married, so I we am have to make a excited for the wedding because it's something that she is very excited about. Mm, right. And that will also mean that she will be my wife. And I think that it's really cool to say that you have a wife. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. You know, instead of uh, instead of saying... Gal pal. Yeah. Hey, have you guys met my girlfriend? girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my wife. Right, yeah. I think uh, John Mulaney did a little piece on this as ah. well. Go check out John Mulaney. He's, he's a great comedian. Yeah, you know, that's uh, the other great thing I've heard about having a wife is that you can use them as Tax an breaks. excuse. Well, that's a huge one, but also, <laughs> but also you can use them as an excuse. You're like, oh yeah, I would really love to, but uh, I gotta go take care of my wife. The yeah. wife, you know, yeah. uh, the old lady. Yeah. Honestly, I think uh, as far as what I've seen of my coworkers. That's usually how they get out of work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Some leverage for you there. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, so that's the real reason you want to get married. I see. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I am dreading being away from work for uh, multiple weeks. It's, oh, yeah. It's going to be awful. No, I do love my job, but uh, breaks are good. Yeah. You know? Totally. It's weird question, but humor me so i know if you're in the military you get more money from when you get married is that true of the reserves as well or is that not i'm not sure i think we may qualify for bh which is uh like a housing allowance oh, okay um but i haven't looked into it gotcha so that's not really your, not your primary concern. It might just be a little perk if it runs into that. I'll look into it yeah. in the future. Uh, not why I'm getting married. But, yeah. Uh, which yeah, isn't true for everyone in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're one of my brothers that uh, I met in boot camp and stuff, and you're listening to this right now, and you got married early on in your military career, Maybe you should have thought about it. <laughs> Got Ouch. Him. Wow. Dang. Truth bombs. Going being, in. Being dropped. Don't worry. They'll laugh. Okay. That's good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> oh, where, where are we at for time, Brady? We're at around 120. An hour 20. Yeah. Right. Cruising along. Awesome. Cruising along. Uh, got any more questions for Dalen? Um, I, I have all kinds of questions for Dalen. But all right. I, I think Surely. that we, uh, we, we covered most of them. Uh. I think we we covered most of them. All right. Is there well, anything else that you would like to add in particular? Any questions for us, maybe? Uh, any, nothing that I can really think of off the top of my I head. I think this is a pretty good episode. We kind of got everything in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what do you have to say for yourself? Oh, man. You knew that one was coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just rolling with it right now. I don't really know where it's going. I'm shooting for the top, but 
I'm just rolling with it. I've, I'm enjoying what I'm doing so much right now as far as metal work. Not necessarily boat stuff. I'm <laughs> completely sick of it. <laughs> but as far as the metal work goes and running my business, I'm enjoying myself doing that more than I ever have with anything. So I'm just happy to be doing whatever. If I'm making more money, awesome. If I'm making less money, then whatever. I'm I'm having Worth fun. It. I'm home every night. It's I'm just I'm enjoying it. It's so incredibly sad. It's it's like the most satisfying thing when everything comes together. It's all official, and yep. you're operating and doing your stuff. Yep. It is like it's indescribable. Yeah, it brings you like a real sense of like this is my place in the world. Yeah, it's very yeah, there's, very cool. You know, everybody says you know there's two ways of looking at it. One is you do you try to turn your hobby into a profession, and you're gonna hate it. And the other way of looking at it is you. Uh, what is it? What's how's the other one go? If you do the thing you love every day, you'll yeah. never work a day in your life. Yeah, or yeah. Like so, that. you know, it goes both ways. But I think you know, I love what I do, and I don't feel like I'm working. I can put in the 16-hour days, and I'm not like, wow, I just worked 16-hour days. It's like, wow, I I want to keep was going. Fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't feel like a work day. It is all about attitude. Yeah, and that's exactly. a, and that's the the way that you the way that you display it really proves that it's all about attitude. And if you're gonna like, I've I've heard so many times, oh well, if you enjoy doing like this engine stuff, if you make it into a job, it's gonna get all old. Yeah. Um, that all depends on your transition on... that into something else. You know, there's always more exactly. to it. You can go a different path with it. You know, just roll with it and and you'll you'll see old timers that are you know, they've been doing something their entire life and they still love doing it. Yeah. And then there are some that don't like it and they exactly. can do the exact same thing. It's all about attitude and the way you look at it. Yep. And that's the beauty of it. It's all within you. Yeah. If I could give any advice, you know, don't work a job, you know, I mean, I understand, you know, that you have responsibilities, you have to make money and you, it's easy to get stuck somewhere, but don't just work another job, you know, making money for somebody else. If you can do what you love, every day and enjoy it and make money put everything you have into it you only got one life if it doesn't work out then you tried you you know you're not going to regret that it's also great to to try when you're when you're younger so another you thing, can make big mistakes in your 20s and I'm no on, one is ever gonna... i'm on my dad's insurance until i'm 26 i'm kind of like eh, if i can't make it by the time i'm 26 then i'll consider going back to a boat maybe but i don't have to worry about insurance for another couple of years so now's my shot I yeah, gotta, yeah, I gotta try it while I can, while I don't have responsibilities. And yep, you can make big mistakes when you're young, and people won't judge you. Yeah. You're, you know, yeah. you're trying stuff out. You're young. Yep. Right. And yeah. If it, and if it works, then it really works. Yep. Do and it while you can. Don't exactly. wait. Exactly. Because it's only gonna get more difficult. Dalen, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having yeah. me. I appreciate it. Super, super, superb guest. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, go check out theimpairedupstairs.com. dot com. Uh, hit the contact us page. We have a format all laid out for you just put in your email and a comment let us know how we did uh if you want to be a guest let us know if you like what we're doing or if you don't like what we're doing send us an email at info at impaired upstairs.com uh you can find us on spotify apple music what else google podcasts uh, not apple music apple, apple podcasts, podcasts apple podcasts google podcasts and amazon music yes um, and if if we don't get if you fill out the contact us uh, form and we don't get back to you within a couple of days, try the email because every once in a while there's some weird stuff that happens with the contact us 
form and maybe things fall through, but definitely either reach out on through the email or through um, our Instagram page. At Impaired Upstairs. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Exactly. Simple as that. We have uh, a Snapchat. We have a Snapchat. At Impaired Up S-T-R-S. There's a limit cat. There on, is. Uh, kind of lame. Yeah. So, yeah. Go right. check us out there. Check us out on Instagram. Go check out Near Coastal Metalworks. Yeah. Is that like near underscore coastal? Uh, it's near coastal underscore metalworks on Instagram because I was limited to my keys. Yeah. And <laughs> Facebook's just near coastal metalworks. Right awesome. on. There you go. Very nice. Sweet. Well, thank you guys. Or, well, thank you in particular, Dalen. Great thank you for having guys. me. Yeah, this, this has been great. That's a good one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we're not here, and when we're, I'm sorry, when we're not working, we will be here upstairs. Impaired. Impaired. Duh. <laughs>